I'm Amy, and you're listening to the Creativity Matters Podcast. Today on the Creativity Matters Podcast, daily diaries and journaling and looking and seeing and the quotidian. Here we go. You're listening to the CMP, a Creativity Matters Podcast. Stories of creative journey and a reminder that creativity matters in whatever form it takes for you. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Creativity Matters Podcast. I'm Amy. And this is episode 382, Leap Day, Leap Day, an extra, a bonus, a freebie, but not really. And on a Saturday, which is already freeform, I don't think I've even heard anyone mention Leap Year this year. Seems really strange. It just sits quietly on the calendar another day. To a kid, Leap Day is one of those confusing but magical days. A day that is only sometimes there. This morning, I walked down the hall. They made my coffee. I walked into the living room, thinking I would whittle away a few hours aimlessly working in my journal, looking at books, maybe a letter or two, definitely a Saturday list as the details for a freeform day start to spring into some kind of multi-headed beast, but mostly just jotting down possibilities, options, threads of doing and doings. I know only a few things will get checked off. That is the way Saturdays go, and I like it. Saturdays go too quickly, and I sink into the hours. Saturdays and Sundays, I have come to love the weekend. I didn't feel that way a decade ago. I really didn't. I have definitely come to really enjoy these two days. But as I walked into the room with my coffee and these hours spanning before me, sprawling ahead of me, luxurious hours to fill, I said out loud, oh, I need to sit down and see if I have a show in me. See if I sit down and have a show in me. It was a personal thing hitting for this month. It used to be a given. Doesn't always seem to be a given right now. So it was a personal thing. Last week, there were a plethora of things to tell you. I still have those things, but I don't know now if they have legs to stand on, or enough legs to carry a show. Thank you, though. Thank you, though, to Aaron, who took the time to leave me a comment last week, send me a message, and say, I like the getting there. I like the three things also, but I like the getting there. It meant a great deal. It meant a great deal. I like the getting there, too. I like the getting there too, but to do this, somebody else has to also be interested enough in the getting there. We have been doing a few days of quadrant diary keeping in the Facebook group, just a few of us. Some of us are working together in a small making comics group, and we've done a few of these daily diary things anyway, since the format comes up altered just a bit from what we already know from syllabus, but it comes up 
in the Making Comics book by Linda Berry. This is Linda Berry's daily diary process. It's something we've talked about on the CMP many times because I always find it such a good and engrossing and illuminating and revealing and rewarding process. Personally rewarding, personally engrossing, personally fulfilling, personally valuable. I find that knowing I will make the list at the end of the day makes me key in, makes me more aware. Sometimes I'll be driving along mindlessly and think, oh, I'm going to need details later. I need to look, need to see. That process of looking and seeing, it is endlessly inspiring, fulfilling. So many details. And every time you look, you'll pick out something different or something new. Things you might drive by every day and never notice. People passing who are full of color. Look at that green hat. Or pattern. Look at the stripes on that skirt. Or unexpected things. Look at that woman carrying those flowers. And as you see them, as you take in details, you also wonder about their stories. Where are they going? What do those flowers mean? Did she buy those or did she pick them up roadside on the walk with her dog? For some of us, this kind of process, this kind of documentation, it's an exercise in cataloging and chronicling the quotidian, the everyday. We can see and describe the details of our everyday endlessly, just as we are living them. It is only when we stop looking that the walls begin to close in and the lights go out. It is okay to suddenly be enamored with the skin of the avocado, or the smoothness of the pit, the yellow of the lemon, the light hitting the flowers on the windowsill. It is okay. It is good to look and see and somehow appreciate all of those little things. One of the nice things about the format is that it's multi-headed, depending on which version you use, because it's a little bit different in syllabus and making comics and even shown differently sometimes online. But whichever version you choose, you record a list of things you did, things you saw, something you overheard, and a sketch from the day, or a question that occurred to you in the day, and then a paneled sketch from the day, if you're using the newer version. For those using the Making Comics forum with the single panel sketch on the facing page and the story details below, you are also, at least in part of the book, supposed to be in the panel full body. That's true, at least early on in Making Comics. That's one of the things that has really stumped me. I find that my moments and stories are so small, so innocuous, that it's sometimes hard to put myself in the scene. I'm not the source of the action. I'm observing something. Hard to put myself in the scene. And even when I could or should, I find it hard sometimes to figure out how. I need to flip the camera around and observe myself in that moment 
rather than me being in my body, looking through my eyes into the moment. And that might sound really crazy, but if you think about drawing a box and then drawing this scene in which you're going to draw something that, for instance, you were seeing, but really you need to draw yourself in that moment seeing, becomes very convoluted for me. I need someone else to show me what that looks like, to show me the me from an objective vantage. Somehow I'm locked right here behind my eyeballs as the seer. Here's an example and a story. Here we go. I'm going to weave all this into the daily diary, which I didn't even expect to talk about. So I was driving down the highway two weeks ago and I passed a billboard along the way that said something particularly affirming. It was important and it was powerful and I was so excited when I saw it. It wasn't really about anything else on the billboard. That's not what caught my eye. It was specifically the word on the billboard or the words. I think it might have been a woman's face was the other part of the board. It was in that moment of driving by at 70 miles an hour, the image of those words. I saw it. I immediately thought, I'll record those words in my illustrated sketchbook. I want to note that. I want to capture that. I just want to write those words. And I held on to the words for at least the next two minutes. And as I approached my exit, somehow I lost them. I thought I was cementing them in place. But they were flying by as fast as the scenery around me. The meeting coming up was on my mind. I always have to really mentally prepare myself for it. The short presentation I needed to do was on my mind. The weight of other things going on that left me feeling like I was racing down for this and would then need to race back to be sure things were okay was on my mind. The billboard had been perfect, magical, a message. I'm always looking for the message, a sign. And then it was gone. And I didn't know right away it was gone. As I pulled into the lane to turn onto the road that leads to the office, I noticed another huge sign on a building. Raw sugar. On a Chinese restaurant. Raw sugar. It's a phrase that sparks dozens of threads for me. And they all exploded in my head as I was turning because I had seen this billboard and then I saw raw sugar. And I definitely thought I need to write both of those things down raw sugar. Not only am I facing and really admitting some weight issues, but I'd also just been reading just that morning an article in the New York Times on sugar. And there are a bunch more layers to the sugar onion for me. The onion of sugar. What a delightful paradoxical idea. And all those other layers, they don't really matter for this conversation. What matters is that I had two things that I wanted to put in my journal. I wanted to letter those two things, see the words on the page, mindfully and slowly put those block letters into place. It would pass time. It would make me have something to record. But by the time I parked, I had already lost the word from the billboard. I tried to think of it as I sat through the meeting. I feel sure that it started with an E. I didn't catch the sign on my hour drive back home two hours later, but it didn't leave me. It made it to my currently list the next day, I think as something I wondered, 
And then I realized that it was really lodged. Not the sign, necessarily, although, yes, the sign, but also the forgetting of the sign. So I did what any self-respecting person today does. I tried to solve this. I tried to free it from my head, free this confusion and this fog from my brain. I googled it. I tried all kinds of searches to see if I could come up with this image, see if I could turn up an image of a billboard in that area with the right sign to solve the mystery of the word. I feel sure it started with an E. What was it? Elevate? I really thought maybe that was it, but I can't see that that makes sense. But maybe it was embrace or engage. There don't seem to be too many options for a big word in the context of a billboard. I don't think it was empower. That wouldn't have caught my fancy. It wouldn't. It was something else. And it was something that felt affirming. Something that felt affirming. I wasn't doing the quadrant journal that week, or I might have done a better job remembering it. But if I had been doing it, that sign would have been what I might have wanted to capture that day. Or, as it turns out, the forgetting of that sign. To put it on the side of the road, though, and to draw in that scene. Yeah, that's beyond me. Cars, highway, the context... From memory, impossible. With some guiding images, looking up a highway, maybe. But to put myself in that, that's a very different thing. I immediately have myself behind the wheel down in the lower corner with the sign coming up on my right because I'm seeing myself from inside my body and I don't know how to get beyond that. I can't sort it out. I can't sort out the me the wheel in front of me, the, the dashboard, the window, the frame of the car, then the roadside, the cars around me, and the billboard. No way can I flatten that all out into a drawing. Plus, it wouldn't be my full body. I can't get out from behind my eyeballs. Someone else presented with the same moment, the same story to put on a page, might immediately objectify the seer, the me. Look at it from 180 degrees away, the car coming along, with the woman at the wheel, and she's looking over at this billboard and having a major aha moment. She's seeing it, getting out of my head, out of the space I occupy behind my eyeballs as I see the details and the problems therein. It's a strange recognition. I have all kinds of perspective issues that come up when trying to do some of these exercises. I've talked about all kinds of perspective issues. I really am more and more aware that something just doesn't quite come into shape the right way for me. Even if I draw myself standing at the counter cutting an avocado, I am hopeless in trying to understand and interpret and render the room behind me, how to fill those details in. Okay, it's true. I probably really just need to sit down and work through some lessons on perspective. I really should just work through some things, but I resist it in so many ways. Every time I check out books on perspective, I glance at them and I think, no way. And I don't exactly know what my resistance is. Something's going to have to come at me at just the right angle for it to work for me to even be willing to do it. But more and more, I realize that's a big problem especially in trying to fill in the background space. But this other issue of getting 
out of my own eyeballs, that's a different issue. That is a different issue about being able to envision and visualize what I look like in that moment as the character in that moment. And I can't do that because I can't see me. I see from behind my eyeballs out. I don't see me in that moment. And I somehow have an impossible time trying to picture it. And yes, you should say, well, just imagine it's somebody else sitting in that car. What does that look like? I can't do it. I can't do it. And oh, I wish I could do it. So it's interesting and puzzling, frustrating and bizarre. And I really wonder what that billboard said. Really do. If I backtrack even farther into that day, the morning before the forgetting of the sign, there were a few other details that set the stage. I got up. I got ready. Showered had my coffee, as I'm doing all the other things, because there's a very small window of time between getting up and leaving. I made breakfast for my teen, took him to school. I wore my tennis shoes because I knew I wasn't going straight to work to this meeting. I was going to go home. So I wore my tennis shoes. I'm not a big shoe person, so it's kind of an either or. So I wore my tennis shoes. I went back home to work for an hour and a half before the drive down to the meeting. I worked as long as I could, maybe too long. I was calculating the traffic at the time of that day, not wanting to be early, but also needing to leave enough time because it's really takes a lot longer at nine o'clock in the morning to get there than it does coming home at two. I was trying to fit in though as much as I could because I was losing this time to the drive. I hate that. So finally, I was ready to go. I gather my things. I leave my tennis shoes on, thinking I will drive down in them because I realize it may seem odd, but it also makes perfect sense to go ahead and drive in my tennis shoes. Totally logical to me. And then I would just change into my meeting-appropriate shoes once I was there. So I head out the door. I'm verging on running late. There's always that moment where you have five more minutes or you're late. I throw all my things in the car. But not really because I strap my bag into the passenger seat because otherwise it will certainly end up flying and everything in it's going to go spilling into the floor. I grab my phone because I'll need to plug it in because I'll need directions in order to get there or I would never get there even after going down there once a month all these years. I would never find it. Then I have a moment where I think I should double check to make sure that my work shoes are in the back of the car where I thought I'd left them on a Sunday. And I'm really glad I had that moment of prescience. Thought, oh, I should just make sure they're there. Because they weren't. And that momentarily confused me. I remembered moving them from the front floor to the back and then into a bag even on a different day. But they weren't there. And so grateful that I had noticed that. I ran back inside. I looked around. I found the shoes. I head back out. I go for my phone. And I can't find my phone. And I know I just had it. I know I just had it. I know I brought it down. I know I had it in the car. I think maybe I had it in my hand when I went back inside to look for the shoes. So I go back in. No luck. I head back to the car. I look in the back seat, in the floor, under the seat, in my bag again. No luck. The phone has vanished. And I'm really confused and I'm panicking because I certainly can't drive my car all the way down there without a phone. I've had too many car troubles, 
Plus, what if there was an emergency at home? That's my day-to-day. I always need to be able to be reached. So going without a phone isn't an option. I run back inside, I get someone else's phone, and I try and call myself. And I don't hear anything, so I head back to my car. I call again, nothing. I call again, nothing. I try to look, no lights, nothing's lighting up. Even though my ringer is probably off, I can usually hear the vibration. But my phone has been failing for months and months. It dies when it's unplugged, just shorts out, shuts down, blacks out. When it comes back on, it's 100%. Sometimes, sometimes when it comes back on, it's 13%. Sometimes it doesn't come back on for 30 minutes or so. Pretty much, you have to leave it plugged in. But that's gotten even worse. So in trying to call myself and not finding my phone, I realized, of course, that it had died in the few minutes that I had been searching for the shoes. I finally found it between the seats. I ran the other phone back inside. I considered this whole time that maybe it was just too late to try and get to this meeting. I considered calling and having to explain that my dog ate my homework, or rather that I'd lost my phone after getting into the car with my phone. And no longer could make it there. Right. So off I went, determined, scattered, thinking how crazy those five minutes were, even with the best of intentions. So I drive on down and I see, and then I forget that billboard, and I see that raw sugar sign, and I think a lot about what I will draw later. I pull into the parking lot and I get ready to change my shoes. I have on black socks, but I have on black athletic socks that stupidly have a bright orange R and L up at the toe. Now I never look at these except when I do and I tend to happen to notice that I have them on the wrong feet. But on this day, they're on the right feet. And there they are, R and L. And I notice only because when I pull on my shoe, they're Mary Janes of a sort. When I pull on my shoe, the R, which is orange, shows. It's just under the top edge of the shoe. And oh no, I can't possibly go in with R and L showing. There will only be four or five of us there. And I know someone will see and comment on this. I try several times to push the R under, to push it under the edge of the shoe so that it will be hidden and it just won't work. So finally I adjust the sock so that it's loose, I guess, in the toe, pull it forwards far enough that I can just get the shoe on and the R is just out of the way. I repeat the process with the L. I scramble to get inside. I sit down and I start taking notes on my morning because it seems to me it has been a bizarre morning. This weird domino sequence. Definitely a strange morning getting down there for that meeting. And then I get to that billboard and making these notes and I realize I have forgotten it. And it bugs me. It really bugs me. Now that moment with the shoes, that could certainly have been my drawing for the day if I'd been doing a quadrant diary the moment with the L and the R. But really, I would have been stumped with how to show that scene with a full body requirement. Even showing the scene within the confines of a car seat 
the view down from the floor, the view from my eyeballs, I wouldn't have been able to draw that. So all of the car stuff between me and the feet, the wheel, the space down below, it just isn't intuitive for me. And I so wish it was. In truth, I could see the whole sequence that morning in panels, all of it, all of it, right? And my approach wouldn't have had my body in all the boxes. That's never been my approach. I've been doing my own version of this for years. Not everything is going to have your body. So I'm not saying every comic needs to have your full body. I've been thinking a lot about that daily sketch and why I have such trouble with it. But I could see this whole sequence, these panels. There would have been plenty of boxes with my face, I'm sure, and some crazed expression, I'm sure. And breaking the repetition of that is sort of what I'm after right now. Although goodness knows there are tons of graphic novels and illustrated memoirs, illustrated diaries that have lots and lots of panel views of a face. That's just really part of telling stories this way. So I'm okay with that, but I really think I need more and more and more of the other part. I can see doing that sequence, and yet it would be so incredibly time-consuming to record that sequence. A five-minute span of reality, and then the hour and a half that followed, and it was all tied together as a moment, somehow representative, somehow wrapped up in what it means, and how I feel about that drive, and that meeting, and the life that surrounds it, the ill-fitting nature of some of it, and the lifeline of a sort, and the routine. Lots of things all wrapped up in that whole sequence. The chaos of it, despite trying to make it all smooth. Does it matter that I didn't draw it? No. You're probably listening and thinking, holy cow, why would you draw that? And that's partly it. I don't know. But it's drawing those kinds of quotidian moments and sequences, those details, that matter most to me. That's what matters to me. Drawing the things I see on a 20-minute walk, the people I pass, the statues I suddenly notice on a house, all of that matters to me. The conversations we have in the car on the short drive home, I wish I had a recording of those that I could then draw in with details. I wish I had a recording and record of the car rides from six years ago. Those always felt so special to me. And they get lost. They disappear. They vanish. But I also have to be able to get outside my eyeballs and look into those scenes and those moments to draw them. If I want to draw myself walking with this person that I might go on a walk with later today, and we're having a conversation about whatever, and later I record that in a panel, I need to be able to record the two of us walking. I got to get outside my eyeballs to do that. Got to get outside my eyeballs. The R and the L on those socks were obvious. They showed all the ways in which I didn't quite fit. And I tucked them out of the way before going in. Tucked them out of the way before going in. And there's a real whoosh to that. A real moment of awareness that really hits me. I don't worry about how quotidian my lists are when I do the daily diary. I call it a quadrant diary. Some of you use that term because it's what I call it. It is, again, Linda Berry's daily diary format. 
I sometimes worry that I haven't overheard anything. Unless there's something notable in my house, there might not be anything really to record in that space because I'm not out and about all the time and around other people all the time. But I don't worry about these things because it's my list. It's my quadrant diary. I don't worry about things seeming basic or ordinary or even boring. Making a daily diary recording shouldn't be for someone else or to impress someone else with how exciting your day was or how challenging or how scary or this or that. It's a way of recording a day. And your first objective is to record your day for you. Now, depending on what else you want to do with it, you might be recording details because you want to go and write a story or do a comic or a graphic novel or illustrate something, or you're writing a book. But it could be that you're just keeping a journal this way. It is for you. And yes, someday, maybe someone else will see it. Who knows? It's for you. You're recording what you see. And some days you might not see anything all that special. Some days you might. Some days you might not do anything all that special. And some days you might. For me, it's all about documenting a life and capturing color and pattern especially and making sure I feel awake and present enough to notice. Because noticing helps slow down the life that's passing, slow down the blur of that passing time. Am I able to remember everything at the end of the day? No way. I forgot that billboard right away. Sometimes when I'm really doing this, I think, okay, I'm going to remember that. Oh, look at that. Oh, look at that green car. Oh, now look at that different color green taxi. Oh, look, green hat. Oh, and green backpack. And sometimes I stack up those details and I say them to myself like some bad game if I'm going to the moon and try and help myself remember. And a lot of the time, they just drift away throughout the day. And at night, I sit down and I think, okay, what did I see again? So do I remember it all at the end of the day? No, I don't. But I take steps in my day to help. I do. And I'm okay with that. You do you. I highly recommend the process of keeping these kinds of pages Even if you only do it every now and then, we only did a three-day stint in the group, but in the past, we've done a week. You could do it every day. You could do it once a week. It could just be sort of a routine exercise you do to every once in a while, key back in, clue back in, tune back in. I always find it a reawakening of sorts. And you can get fussy. You can use the time requirements. You can use a timer. You can use your phone. You can follow the rules or you can set up your own. Or you can do what is your privilege as an adult doing art for yourself in whatever margin you have. You can do what works for you. And that is okay. You do not have to do this exactly as it's written unless you happen to be in that class getting a grade. You can do it in a way that works for you. And you don't have to explain that. You don't have to defend that. You don't have to worry that 10 other people all did it exactly one way and yours looks a little different. It isn't a competition and it isn't a cult. So you do you. If you like to add to the list all day long, do that. 
do that. It just becomes your way of keeping a journal. If you'd like to make notes and write it in later, write them all into one place later, do that. If you like to record 20 things, do that. If you don't care about the time limit, don't time it. Use the format in a way that works for you. I think Linda Berry would approve of all these things. She may say that there are reasons to do it exactly the way she's outlined it and with the time limit and specifically in the context of gathering details for story and also pushing things into image. There are probably all kinds of reasons. But for those of us doing this on the outside, looking in, doing this for ourselves, in our margins, in our non-paying creative lives, just doing it as a way to record our lives. I think she would say, it's awesome to get details down. And if you marry that with an image or a sketch or an illustration from your day, good for you. Again, you're not in a class. You're not getting a grade. You're not paying to take this class and do it the way it's presented to you. You don't have to follow these rules exactly. Use the format in a way that helps you feel fulfilled, helps you feel like you are recording your life and locking in enough details that you feel somehow you can remember even a bit how the day went. I hope you give it a try. I come back to it again and again and again. And every time we come back to it, some people have never done it before and get really hooked on it and or hooked on Linda Berry and all of those are good things. I hope all of you spend time with syllabus or making comments or her online because you can find all kinds of things online. There are a bunch of links that are in an old show notes page and I'll put them in a new page or else I'll just link to that old, old show. But I hope you give it a try. And when you do realize that there are lots and lots of people who do this, who use her books and this format specifically, or who keep their own journals in similar ways inspired by the Daily Diary format or not, welcome to the club. There are lots and lots of us who for some reason are committed to and attracted to and dedicated to documenting and chronicling our days. Even when we don't do as good of a job at it as we wish we were doing, we still have that impulse to document our days. Welcome to the club. I am the art. The art is me. And that is it for today's show. That is it for this Leap Day show. I am really trying to tick this box off for myself in my head. I've recorded it now. I'm going to come back later after my walk and after my Saturday soup and edit it and hope I don't fall asleep in the process, which sometimes is what happens. I'm going to try to get it out. So it's going to come out a little bit at an odd time. I no longer know what day these are supposed to come out. I have to admit, I haven't figured out exactly what works. So this will probably come out on Saturday, the 29th, so that it has a February timestamp for me in my listing. So a couple of stories there. It's true. And that's good. I don't remember that billboard, but... The rest of it now is locked here in this audible way, in this verbal and out loud story. As always, I'm Amy, and you can reach me at creativitymatterspodcast at gmail.com. The show notes are available on the creativitymatterspodcast.com website. I post links there to things I talk about, the books I talk about, related books, prior shows, etc. 
The music I play is courtesy of Nikolai Heidlis. You can find me at Instagram as oamy oamy. Thank you very much to those of you who support the CMP at Patreon, patreon.com slash creativity matters. I have been listening to the March playlist a good bit in recent days, and I'm looking forward to sending that out tomorrow. So that is it. I'm going to look around really quickly. Do I want to give a word? I didn't give one last time. I know. I know. Uh, Do I want to give a word? Well, okay. So, (laughs) oh, I see something else. Well, I'm going to just go with this, which is very funny because I think the more random these are, the better it works. So today's word is quarter because there happens to be a quarter laying here. Here you can hear it. That's a quarter. So quarter, that's the word. Until next time, remember that creativity matters in whatever form it takes for you. And don't forget to breathe. Have a good week, everyone. Have a good start to March. Give tracking a try and give the Quadrant Diary or Daily Diary a try too. 